Okay. So I'm going to read a couple of scriptures right off the bat about hearing from God. They both come from the the, um, Gospel of John, chapter 10. The first one is verse 2 through 4. Jesus is speaking, and he says, But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And then in verse 27, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So this is a beautiful scripture that Jesus is speaking to us. And he, he, he is speaking about himself as being the shepherd and us as being the sheep. And in the scripture, he says, we hear his voice. There's no question there. There's no qualifications. It doesn't say, if you do this, you hear his voice. It very clearly says that he is our shepherd and we hear his voice. It says he calls us by name. And he leads us. It says he goes before us and we follow him because we know his voice. So the promise is there. The word is there. The truth is there. The second um, verse, verse 27 says, My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I want to show you right now a picture. Um, can Give it a click. This is a picture of um, our journey um, from Jerusalem to Galilee. And while we were driving from one place in Israel to the other, we drove through this barren, beautiful, mountainous land. There was nothing there but hills and, and um, vast land. And there wasn't a whole lot of population on it. It, was, it looked like this. It was beautiful. But in the midst of that journey, we saw... Flock after flock after flock of sheep. Go ahead and go to the next picture. This is one of them. So notice the flock of sheep. And over here on the right, on the far right, is the shepherd. The shepherd is leading the flock. What I want to tell you before I talk about more about the scripture, I want to talk about shepherds and sheep. So the first thing that is true that I've learned a fact about shepherds and sheep is that the shepherds don't drive the sheep. They lead the sheep. That's what Jesus does. He doesn't drive us. He doesn't push us. He leads us. Here's another fact about shepherds. A shepherd literally becomes the living door of his sheepfold. He curls up in the door or in the entrance of a cave And he puts his body between the sleeping sheep and the ravenous animals or thieves. So when the shepherd stops for the evening, like I said, those were huge expanses of mountains and and land. And when they bed down for the night, he is the living door that's protecting the sheep. In the scripture that I read, it says that he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. 
In another scripture, Jesus says, I'm the door. And he's definitely living. Jesus is a living door, just like the shepherd is a living door. In this same chapter of John, John 10, 10, he says, the thief is the one that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, I'm the one that gives life. The living door, the shepherd, is the living door that protects the sheep from the thieves, from the ravenous animals. Here's another fact about shepherds. Sometimes several shepherds will pen their sheep together in a cave or a sheepfold at night. And then the next morning, each sheep knows the shepherd's voice and responds immediately. Even in a large flock, one individual sheep will run to his shepherd when his own name is called. And once again, in the scripture, it says... To him, the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Every one of those sheep knows its name, and when the shepherd calls its name, it comes. And if they were all together, if there were ten flocks, and we saw many flocks of sheep. So if all of those flocks of sheep were together at night, they would know their own shepherd's voice, and they would follow him. Okay, now Kent, go back to the scriptures, please, or go ahead. We put the scriptures on there twice. I want to define a few words, two words, and they're underlined in there. I want to define the word hear and the word know according to the biblical meaning for those Greek words. So the word hear doesn't just mean to hear with your ear. It's not just an audible hearing. It's way more than that. It means to notice, to discover. Now think about God's voice. It means to notice his voice, to discover his voice, to experience. My prayer is that we're all going to experience his voice more and more and more. It means to get knowledge of. It means to behold. When I hear the word behold, it's like focused attention. If I am beholding something, and God says that many times, he says, behold. When he uses that word, it's like, pay attention. This is really important. Behold. And that's one of the meanings for hearing the voice of God. It's beholding his voice. It also means paying attention to. We're going to talk a lot about that today. Because in order to hear his voice, we need to pay attention. We need to listen. We need to get quiet. It also means to perceive and to discern. Hold that word for a minute. I'm going to go deeper on what discern means. But first I want to go to the second word, which is to know. For they know his voice. That word know is very similar to the word here. It means to notice, to discover, to... Oh, I use, I'm sorry. I'm getting my... I, I gave you the... the I, I switched up the, the meanings. I'm sorry. Um, the word know is what I just told you about. The word hear is to attend to, to consider. That's a big one, to consider. The word consider means to think about, to ponder, to put your attention on something, to consider. When we hear God's voice, part of hearing is Pondering it, considering it, focusing on it. It also means to comprehend, to understand, and to perceive. 
So let's talk about what that word perceive and discern means. Because the title of this message is discerning God's voice. Not just hearing God's voice, but discerning it. So when we discern, the dictionary definition of discern had to do with the senses. It had to do with the, the physical senses, seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting. It had to do with the physical senses. And it's, the definition is to perceive by the sight or some other senses or by the intellect. But when we discern the voice of God, it's not with our physical senses. It's with our spiritual senses. It's a whole nother realm. Just like faith, God says faith is when it's, it's beyond what your senses are. Faith is believing a whole different thing than what you see or hear or feel. It's outside of the realm of senses. And that's what this discerning God's voice is. It's outside of the realm of senses. It's spiritually seeing, spiritually knowing. It means to see, to recognize, or to apprehend. And apprehend is taking hold of something, grasping it, seizing it. So my prayer today is that we discern the voice of God, that we grasp it, that we apprehend it, that we discern his voice. And that's what we're going to be talking about the whole time today. I'm going to share a couple of nuggets from the Bible, nuggets of truth. And then the focus of this teaching is going to be on practical steps to help you, to help me to discern God's voice. This is a fun teaching. I believe this is a teaching that you can go home with and be a different person forever. Okay, so let me get these, give you these nuggets from the Bible. Here's the first one. Hearing and healing are connected. Hearing the voice of God and discerning the voice and healing are connected. Now, there are lots of keys for healing. There are lots of insights into receiving the precious healing that Jesus paid for. Many insights. One of them is hearing. But hearing from God and healing are directly connected. And I'm going to give you some scriptural evidence of that. Luke 5.15 says, However, the report went around concerning him all the more. And great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed of all their infirmities. Notice they came together to hear and to be healed. That happened all the time with Jesus. People were coming from everywhere. They were hearing him. They were being healed. Many of them heard about Jesus, and then they came to be healed. Many of them came and heard him teach with authority like they'd never heard before. And healing came as well. The next scripture says a very similar thing. This is one chapter later in the book of Luke. Luke six seventeen, And he, Jesus, came down with them and stood on a level place with the crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon who came to hear him and be healed of all their diseases. There's a connection between hearing from God and being healed. So that's the first nugget I wanted to share. Here's the second nugget. When we look at Jesus as an example, we see that he didn't heal everybody the same way. He, I believe, was dependent on the Holy Spirit. 
He was listening to, to God speak to him through the Holy Spirit and then doing what he was directed. That's how I believe he knew how to minister or he knew what action to take. He had a relationship with his father. There was nothing, no barrier keeping him away. He had this direct line with God and he was fully dependent on the Holy Spirit. We have the same position, right? Okay, so I'm going to read just four examples. There's so many, but I just chose four. Four examples of Jesus ministering to people, and I just want to show you how differently he ministered. Here's the first one. Matthew chapter 8, verses 2 through 4. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. I love that scripture. That's for somebody today. That's for somebody right now that's saying, is it God's will to heal? Jesus just answered your question. He said, yes, I am willing. Be cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, see that you tell no one, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Now let's just think about this for a sec. I believe one of the first things that Jesus knew was that that man needed to know that it was God's will to heal. And he made it clear. The man said, Jesus, if you are willing. And Jesus immediately responded, I am willing. That is a huge step that we all have in our own walk with God. God, are you willing? Is it your will? That was the first question I had. That was probably this leper's biggest question, and Jesus answered it. And Jesus laid hands on him. It says he touched him. He reached out and he touched him. In the old covenant, and Jesus was living in the old covenant. He had not yet established the new covenant. And in the old covenant, he was not supposed to touch a leper. Because if he touched a leper, he would become unclean. But that's not what happened. When he touched the leper, the leper became clean. It was this new reality. It was a picture of the heart of God. And then he said, don't tell anyone, but do go and show the priests as a testimony to them. So he had that direction to give the man as well. So there were several things that Jesus did. Let's look at the next example. John 9, starting with verse 1. Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who is blind from birth. When he, and then I skipped ahead to verse 6. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva. He anointed the eyes of the blind man with a clay. And then he said to him, go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Once again, that was probably a word of knowledge from God. It was a word of, of wisdom, I guess, a word of direction. And Jesus, can you imagine picking up mud, spitting in it, or picking up dirt, spitting in it, making mud, and putting it on the man's eyes? I've never done that one. <laughs> I try to do a lot of what Jesus did, but I've never done that one. And then he said, go wash in this pool. So the man's still blind. And he had to go a quite of a distance to get to that pool of Siloam. And can't go ahead and show this picture. 
because we were there last week. This is the Pool of Siloam. This is the ancient ruins of the Pool of Siloam. So the rocks that you see over here on the right, the steps, and the steps that are further down are the original steps that were there when Jesus was there. Those are the steps that that man that was blind walked down. He walked down those steps, and then there was another set of steps, and then the pool was there. Now the pool it right now is filled in with dirt and things like that. They just I was reading today about this. They just found this recently, within the last few years. It, they didn't know it was there. So anyway, the man walked down those steps. He washed in the pool of Siloam, and he was healed. If you go to the next picture, Kent, there is a tunnel under this area. It's called the Siloam Tunnel, the Pool of Siloam Tunnel. And in this tunnel, they had this huge mural that showed what the pool would have looked like during Jesus' day. So that's where that man went and received healing. And once again, our focus is on discerning the voice of God. And, and we're looking at Jesus as an example. So the next scripture that I want to share, the next example, is Matthew 12, verse 13. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and it was restored as whole as the other. So in this case, Jesus had the man take an action. Pastor Tim often does this. I do this. Kathy does this. Many of us do this when we pray for you. We ask you to take an action, to do something to try it out. That's what Jesus was doing. And that's when the man got healed. He had a withered hand. And Jesus said, stretch out your hand. And when he started to try to do that, that's when he received healing. I believe that Jesus heard from God to do that. And that's when he was healed. The next example, the last one I'm going to share is from the um, Gospel of Mark, chapter 8. This is another blind man. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Then he sent him away to his house saying, neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town. So here's a different blind man, and he, he ministers differently. Some of it's the same, but a lot of it's different. The first thing that I noticed that's very different is that he led him out of town. This is the only example I believe is in the Bible where Jesus took the person away before he prayed for healing. I've heard a really good teaching from Andrew Womack about this, this account, and this man was from Bethsaida. And Bethsaida was a town that was an unbelieving town. It's one of those that he um, spoke woe to, woe to the people. Um, I might be getting mixed up my stories. But anyway, it was definitely an unbelieving town. So he took them, I believe, that Jesus knew that that man needed to be out of that environment of unbelief in order to receive healing. And then it took two times praying. This is the only example where Jesus prayed twice before the healing was complete. And then he said, don't go back into that town or tell anyone. 
Imagine if you were a, had just been healed. You had come from an environment that nobody believed in healing. This Jesus, nobody had ever heard. They didn't know he was Jesus the Christ. They didn't know that he was the Messiah. They didn't know who he was. So imagine you had just been healed by this person. Nobody in your town believed in him. Nobody in your town knew about him. And if you went back, what were they going to say to you? It might steal your healing. Yeah, exactly. And Jesus said, don't go back there. Jesus was protecting him. But I believe he knew it via the Holy Spirit. So those are just a few examples. How Jesus had relationship with God. He listened to God and then he took action. Different actions with different people. So that brings me to how this applies to us. God doesn't heal or perform miracles the same way every time. So if we do what Jesus did, if we seek God's voice, he'll give us direction. This is something that Pastor Tim has shared with me over and over again. Different ways that God has directed him in different things that he needs healing for, but that's what he does. He goes to God and he asks him and he listens and then he lets God direct him. So this is just a key. Again, it's just one healing key, but it's a, it's a very important one. But this key requires us to go into our relationship with God and listen to him and then depend on him for a specific strategy for our healing. I'm going to share a quote by Benny Hinn. Benny Hinn is uh, an evangelist who's his, his biggest, um, uh, what we know him for is his relationship with the Holy Spirit. And he has written several books, but two of them I've read, both of them are about the Holy Spirit. And this quote comes from his book, Good Morning Holy Spirit. This is what he says. The Holy Spirit takes the voice of the Father and the Son and makes it quiet, lovely, and perfectly clear. That's, I know, I know, I, I agree, I believe that. And I want all of us to have that same understanding and, and, and belief that the Holy Spirit does speak to us. He takes the voice of the Father and the Son and reveals it to us. A couple scriptures from the word about the Holy Spirit. These are scriptures I read over the last couple weeks. First one is John fourteen twenty six. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. That's a promise from Jesus to us. In verse, or John 16, 13. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. That's awesome. Just like he did for Jesus. Whatever he hears, he'll speak. He takes the, the um, voice of the Father and the Son and he reveals it to us. So what I want to distinguish right now is what I've been sharing about Jesus' example. That's, that's our model. Jesus is our teacher. I always love to look to him to, to take action or to, to grow in my walk with God. But I want to differentiate between Jesus' example and the default of the world, what people usually do in this world. 
So Jesus' example, like I've already shared, was to have this amazing relationship with God, listen to him, depend on the Holy Spirit, and then take action depending on what he heard, what he saw, or what he felt. But the default of the world is very different. The default of the world is to depend on yourself. The default of the world is to go out and try to figure out everything you can figure out on your own. To do the research, to um, make your plan, follow your plan. It's often uh, 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 just this, this uh, intellectual kind of process. Dependence. I'm sorry, independence instead of dependence. God wants us dependent. So this week I was reading Genesis. Kathy and I are laughing because we've been having some of the same experiences since we've been back from Israel. So I went back to Genesis and I started reading chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3. Chapter 2, it talks about the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And as I was reading it, the Holy Spirit just started shining a light on that scripture. That's one of the ways he speaks to us. That's the biggest, the most important way he speaks to us is through his word. And as I was reading the scripture, God was opening it up in a new way. And what he was showing me was that the tree of life is how Jesus was living and how he wants us to live. Fully dependent on him. Immersed in the presence of God and in the provision of God. He wants us to have the fullness of life. He says, eat from the tree of life. He gave that tree of life freely in the garden. But he said, don't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Because you will surely die. But the default of the world that I was just talking about is eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because what we're doing is we're seeking knowledge. We're going out and researching and trying to figure it all out on our own instead of going to God. And the problem is, it's not a problem with going out and getting information. The problem is doing that first. The problem is not having God as a part of it. The problem is almost drawing a line in the sand and saying, here's my, my part and here's God's part. That's not God's best. That's eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. God's best is to seek him first. One of the things that I love, and I'm going to use you for an example, Suzette, is when the first thing you do is run to God. The first thing. Suzette, I'll, I remember when you called me, the first time you called me. It was before Christmas. It was before I went to Florida. Maybe it was October. What month was it? October, November? I was getting ready to go somewhere. Uh, anyway, she called me, and she told me about the diagnosis. I was, she called me, like, immediately. She's been in this battle, but she's doing it with God Yes, she has to deal with doctors. Yes, she has to deal with tests. Yes, she has to deal with and make decisions. Yes, but God is the Lord of it all. She's here every week. 
I talk to her sometimes during the week and she says this is her lifeline. It's like a life preserver. She's surrounded by people who love her and care and believe and lay hands on her and believe and encourage her and believe. The first thing she did, the first thing she does, the the centerpiece of her life is God and his word and his promises in the midst of the journey that she's on. She's feeding from the tree of life. But the default of the world isn't like that. The default of the world often does everything else, and when that doesn't work, then they go to God. And Jesus said, or not Jesus, God said, you'll surely die. That's, that's leading to death and destruction. So knowing how to do this, knowing what action to take, because that's when you're in a journey of healing, you often need to know what to do what direction to take. Knowing what action to take comes by having relationship with God, by listening to his voice, and by learning to be dependent on him. So, the next thing on your paper says suggestions. These are only suggestions. There's not a formula. But these are suggestions to help you to hear. The first thing that's on your paper says whenever you experience an attack against your health, the first thing to do is to take time to seek the Lord. Get into his presence, listen for his instruction, and then follow the leading of the Spirit. So the suggestions I'm giving you are a combination of some really good teaching that we've had um, about hearing the voice of God, as well as my own experience. So that's where this comes from. The first thing is to position yourself to hear, to position yourself in his presence Now, he never leaves us nor forsakes us. So when I'm saying position yourself in his presence, it's getting your perspective right and recognizing that you are in the midst of his presence. I have a few ways that I do that that help me to put my focus where he is in me and around me. And one of the things I do is praise and worship. Because when you're praising and worshiping, your focus is on him, not on the problem. Your perspective is in the right order. The bigness of God is in your face, and the problem is minimized. So praise and worship is big as far as putting yourself in his presence. Another place to position yourself in his presence is through prayer. Because when you're praying, you're communing with God. Just like when you're with your daughter or your son, and you're talking. My daughter's visiting this week from Cleveland, and we just spend mother-daughter time together. I hear her. I listen to her. She listens to me. She hears me. That's what God wants us to do. It's not just about us talking. It's about us listening. Conversation is two-way. Prayer is two-way. So prayer is another beautiful place to prepare yourself to hear from God. The third one is nature. And this is for Cindy. It might be different for you. But for me, nature is a big place where I hear from God. When I am in the, when I'm out walking, I walk outside in the good weather, I hear from God all the time. It's like loud and clear. That's one of the loudest and clearest places I hear from God is when I'm outside in the beautiful fresh air, just free from all of the stuff that's, you know, going on in my life. I'm just outside in nature. I hear from him a lot. 
up north we have a, a, a house on a lake up north, and I love to take my paddle boat out by myself on that lake, just me and God. He has spoken to me amazingly out there on that lake. But wherever it is for you, I went to a retreat last year, and I noticed something about our prayer pastor, Pastor Patty. Many of you guys know Pastor Patty. If you're part of this church, of course you know her. But anyway, I noticed something about Pastor Patty. I got up early in the morning to have my time with God, and I would go to this, there was this big building that we had all of our meetings in, and that's where I went. And it, I was, there weren't very many people there, just Pastor Patty and me, pretty much the only ones there. But Pastor Patty had her chair facing out the window, knee to, knee to the wall. She was right, her face was right in the window. She had her Bible, she had her journal, and she was, her eyes were outdoors. And as I was thinking about this, this way to tune yourself in to God and his presence, I'm sure that's what she's doing. She's just putting her eyes on the beauty of the creation and opening her heart to hear from God. So nature is another beautiful place to position yourself in his presence. So that's the first step. The second one is to quiet yourself. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I'm God. That word know is the word um, yada. I had to look whether it was New Testament or Old. It's the word yada. I love that word. It literally means to know intimately. It's the same word that's used for sexual um, um, union between a man and a woman. For a man to know a woman and then have a baby. It's the same word. It's a very intimate joining together, knowing intimately. God says, be still and know that I'm God. I just felt a heavy anointing on that right now. They're connected. The being still part allows us to know him intimately. But when I'm alone with him, there are some things I need to do. And one of them is to remove distractions. And the biggest distraction for me is this. And I'm sure it's that way with a lot of people. My phone doesn't come with me to my prayer place. Or if it does, it's upside down with a sound off. Usually I try to keep it in the other room. Because, oh, it's just, it makes noise, it dings and it, it rings and it buzzes and it does all sorts of things. And it can totally distract me from God. That's my biggest one. Um, TV, of course, you know. I'm blessed because I am... Um, uh, don't have children. I love my children. But I'm blessed that I can have quiet time because I don't have children at home anymore or grandchildren or anything. So I have the ability to have quiet time. But remove as many distractions as you can possibly remove. And that also goes for what's going on in here because we need to learn to quiet our thinking too. This is another common problem, at least it is for me, and that is my mind tends to sometimes do a lot of stuff when I'm trying to have my quiet time and listen to God. But I have a, 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 something that I do. This is Cindy prayer. I go to Holy Spirit and I say, Holy Spirit, 
I don't want to be distracted. Help me remove those distractions. I want to go face to face to the throne of my God. And that prayer is powerful. It's just really powerful. So that's what I do when I have a lot. Oh, here's the other thing I do. I often write a list of whatever's in there. I write it down really fast and put it aside. So if I have a to-do list or if I have things, you know, going on in my brain, because I always pray early in the morning and my day's ahead of me. So if I have things on my mind, I jot them down, I set it aside. So those are my tricks for quieting my thinking so I can be quiet in front of God. So quiet yourself. Then comes number three. This is the, this is the icing on the cake. This is where I hear from God. After I've positioned myself in my presence and I've gotten myself quiet, then I ask God and I, I, I hear from him. I talk to God and I ask him questions. And then I, and then I listen. And I often, not always, but often hear from him. And there's three, three ways. And there's probably more than three ways, but I'm going to share three ways. And I, I'm just going to give you one word for each. Hearing, seeing, or sensing. When I hear from God, usually what I do is I ask a question first. And my question is very, sometimes it's very specific. Sometimes it's very broad. So I may have a specific question about um, a decision I'm making. Or a question I have, a very specific question. I asked him a question this morning. I do it a lot. I say, God, I have a question. I literally say that. I have a question. And it was about a scripture I was reading. I don't remember what it is right at the moment. But I had a question. And so I ask him. And then after I ask him the question, I pray in tongues. If you have your prayer language, I highly recommend praying in tongues. Your brain isn't in the way. You're praying the perfect will of God. It's spirit to spirit. And then as I pray in tongues, I tune in or I listen for whatever God's going to speak to me. Now, one of the ways that he speaks to me is by giving me a spontaneous thought. So I hear it almost in words. And after I hear that, I write it down. I write down what I'm hearing. So I ask a question. Sometimes my question is very general, like, God, what do you want me to know today? Is there anything you want to tell me? Very general. Sometimes it's specific. Sometimes it's general. I pray in tongues. I tune in. Sometimes it's a spontaneous thought. I call that hearing. Sometimes it's something you see. You might see um, um, something that happened to you in the past, a memory. You might see something like, um, it might be um, like one time I saw, I was reading my journal to try to get examples for you this week, and I saw God give me flowers, but then the flowers um, somehow became planted and grew a whole field of flowers. I don't remember the exact details, but it was something like that. And it was, it was beautiful. That's what he showed me as I was talking to him. So it might be a picture. Write it down. And if you don't understand it, ask, God, help me to understand this. What does this mean? Write it down. So it might be something you see. Or it might be something you sense. Many times I don't hear or I don't see anything, but I sense something. I might sense his love. 
And it's just so big and so deep that there's no way to, to not know that he's loving on me right at that moment. I might sense a, a sense of peace that is amazing. I might sense um, his approval. It's always good. It's always, always good. So those are the kinds of things that I, that I get from God when I talk to him and I get quiet. First thing you hear, the first thing that you see, or the first thing that you sense, I highly recommend that you journal it, that you write it down. Now here's an important, important, important key. Trust that you are hearing from God. Because many times we just push it aside and say, oh, that's just me. Trust that you're hearing from God. As you do, as you do trust, as you do write it down, as you do go back and read it and hear these words that you know couldn't have come out of your mouth or out of your brain, as you read that, you'll grow in hearing. You'll grow in your sensitivity to his voice. But you need to trust. And then you may want to ask for confirmation. I do that all the time. I say, God, I believe I heard from you, but will you confirm it for me? And he does. And he usually does it multiple times. You might read a scripture that gives you confirmation. You might be talking just to somebody, anybody. And that whatever they're talk, telling you is that confirmation. You might be at church and that sermon is right to you and is definitely a confirmation. But God confirms it in many, many ways. So don't be afraid to ask him, God, just help me to make sure that was you. Sometimes I'm sure we all miss it. That's okay. He loves us anyways. And then if God does give you direction, follow the direction. Follow the lead. So every battle, every decision, every need you have is different. And just like Jesus, we need to always go to him. Don't do the same thing every time. Go to God every time. And then be dependent on him. So what I want to do is I want to share just a couple of examples of how when I've been in situations where I've needed to hear from God or, I've, or sometimes I didn't even ask him and he showed me direction. But I want to show you how he's given me different directions for different healing situations. And I'm just going to give you really short little snippets. So the first one I want to give you is about when I was fighting cancer 16 years ago. In the middle of my journey... I didn't even ask this to God. I didn't even ask this question, but he showed it to me. And it had to do with um, forgiveness. Many of you already know this story. But I was reading a scripture that I was standing on for healing. It was the scripture about speaking to the mountain. And I spoke to the mountain of cancer every day. And I would read that scripture in here that says, when you speak to the mountain and believe it, you will have what you say. So I spoke to that cancer and I said, I believe I believe, God, what your word says. I believe when I speak to cancer and tell it to go, that it's going to go. But then the very next verse said, and when you stand praying, forgive. And every time I read that scripture, I had a weird feeling in my conscience. But I had no idea why. Because I didn't have any feuds going on. I didn't have any anger. I didn't have anything in my life. So I did that every day for a, a long time, a long time, probably a month, two months. I prayed that scripture and I had that feeling. 
And then finally, I asked God, what are you trying to tell me? And as soon as I asked, he showed me three people that I had an offense with. One of them was huge, but there were three offenses. And he immediately, when I asked, he showed me those three offenses. I believe that that forgiveness was integral in my healing. I believe that God was trying to get that across to me. It just took me a while. But he was patient. He was loving. He was kind. And he kept showing me day after day after day until I finally heard him. So that was one example. Another example during the cancer battle was um, in hearing and sifting through all the stuff people were giving me because it was confusing. Lots of advice, lots of suggestions from lots of people. But I believed God helped me to sift and let some of it go, let most of it go. But there were three things that I had peace with. That's one of the ways that we hear from God is through peace. And I had peace with three different people and their suggestions. And I followed those three people and their suggestions. And they all had to do with diet and supplements. But I had lots of other suggestions that I didn't pay any attention to. I let them go in one ear and out the other. After I was healed, I went to an alternative med doctor. Not before I was healed. It took me a long time to get into him. And I didn't get into him until after I was healed. But when I did, I took my whole protocol with me, because they always tell you to bring everything you're doing or any supplements you're taking. And he read what I was taking. He knew, my, he knew what had happened with, my, with the cancer and everything. He knew all of that. And when he looked at my protocol, he said, who put this together for you? And I said, well, I did. I had a few people that I trusted, a few people that felt right, and I just kind of put it together myself. And he said, I could not have done this better. I could not have written this better myself. That was a confirmation that God was taking care of me. I was hearing God. I was following him. In hindsight, I see that. So that's one example. I want to give you a couple of examples about Kent. Um, many years ago, he had a kidney stone attack. And uh, it, it, any of you who have had kidney stones know it is excruciatingly painful. And I don't, I've never seen my husband in that much pain. But um, in the midst of that, we went to the hospital, and he had the procedure where they do the laser and break up the stone. While we were in there, God spoke to him through a nurse. And he knew that it was a message from God to him through the nurse. God speaks to people. And it had to do with drinking water. <laughs> that man never drank water. Ever. He didn't listen to me. My voice wasn't the voice of God. <laughs> he wouldn't listen to me. I had told him and asked him and tried to get him to drink water. And he wouldn't drink water. He drank Coca-Cola. A lot of it. After that nurse spoke to him. And I can't remember all of the details, but I remember it was a God thing. It was totally a God thing. And he received it. And from that day on, he has not had one Coke. Not one. And he drinks a ton of water. He drinks water all the time. But God showed him through that woman that he needs water. Not just for the kidney stone thing, although he's never had another one. And he never will in Jesus' name. But for, for health, he needs water. And that, I believe God spoke to him through that. 
Another time that um, with Kent, it was happened just a couple years ago. He had already had double knee replacement, and he had new knees, healthy knees, good knees. Praise you, Jesus. God heals through doctors too, right? And he had supernatural healing. He's got amazing knees. He walked miles and miles in Israel, and I kept saying, oh, thank you, Jesus, for Kent's knees. Thank you, Jesus, for these awesome, healthy knees. We kept saying that last week. But anyway, um, a couple years ago, we were, um, his knees were already healed, and we were helping Meggie move to Cleveland. We had a truckload and a trailer load of furniture, and had loaded it all up, no problem, got in the car, got in the truck, drove, and we stopped at the uh, place to get gas, and when Kent got out of the truck, his knee was, he couldn't bear weight. No problem getting into the truck. <laughs> Got out of the truck. His knee would not support any weight at all. He had so much pain, couldn't even walk to the bathroom. I mean, he couldn't. It was awful. So we got back in the truck after he'd managed to get gas in there, and, and I started praying. And as soon as I started praying, God spoke to me, and I heard him say, laugh at the devil. It's not typical. I don't usually do that. I did do it here a few weeks ago, and it was because God spoke to me then too. But anyway, so that's what we did. I said, honey, I feel like we need to laugh at the devil. Like he's doing something stupid, and he doesn't have authority. We do. So that's what we did. We're driving in the truck laughing, not because we felt like it was funny, but because God said to do it. And as we laughed at the devil, I believe that we broke off whatever was trying to attack him. And within a very short time, his knee was completely better. It wasn't immediate, but it was within maybe a day or two. It was completely better. So that's another example. The last example I want to give you had to do with a back issue that I had. How many have had your back go out one time or another? Yeah, it's really, really painful. And the, the time that it happened to me, or the first time that it happened, um, it was so bad that it literally put me on my back. I couldn't move, couldn't bear one ounce on my feet. Kent helped me lay down, and it was really bad. And it got better gradually over a few days. And then after that, it kept going out. Like every week or every few days, it would do it again. God spoke to me again. And showed me two things. The first thing he showed me was that I was speaking wrong. I was saying my back is weak. I was saying my back keeps going out. And God corrected me. And he said, stop talking that way. So I changed my words and I started to say, my back is strong even though it didn't feel strong. I started calling it strong. That's the first thing I did. The second thing God showed me is that I needed to do stretching exercises. I had never done stretching because I wouldn't do yoga. I, am a, I have a very strong Christian conviction that I, will, I, Cindy, will not do yoga. But I knew I needed something, and God showed me, you need stretching. So I went online, and I found a very good DVD that's just stretching for, um, for health. And I started doing that, and oh my gosh, my back is so strong. My back is so strong. My whole body's strong. I feel like... Things I couldn't do before, I can do easily now. So God showed me what I needed. That's what I'm talking about. Hearing and healing are connected. So now I want to close with this last scripture. And this scripture is tough love from God to me and to you. 
This scripture is repeated six times in the Bible. I looked yesterday. The first time that it's given, it's in Isaiah. Then it's repeated in all four Gospels. And then it's in the book of Acts. It says, For the hearts of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear, and they have closed their eyes, so their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. So we're talking today about hearing and healing. But this scripture says, And it's all connected to the first line. It says when the hearts are hardened, they can't see, they can't hear, they can't understand, and they can't turn to God and be healed. I believe that the teaching that I just shared with you is the opposite of the scripture. The the teaching that I just shared is tuning in and yielding to God and being in relationship with him, getting quiet, listening to him, being sensitive to him, letting him talk to you. Instead of taking from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which leads to death and destruction, God says, eat from the tree of life. Be planted in the river Be the tree of life planted by the river, the living waters. So where is your focus? Because wherever your focus is, that's what you're going to be sensitive to. That's what you're going to be softened to. If your focus is on the problem, if your focus is on the issues, if that is the big thing in front of you, then that's what you're going to be sensitive to. But if your focus is on Jesus and his word and his promises and relationship, that's what you're going to be sensitive to. So on your paper, I've given you the definitions of hardened and softened. Hardened is cold or insensitive or calloused or unfeeling or unfeeling or unyielding. But my prayer is that we'll all have softened hearts, not hardened hearts, but softened hearts to God. Warm, sensitive, tender, feeling, and yielding hearts to God. So what I want to do is I want to reverse that scripture right now and read it in the positive. And I'm just going to declare this over us. God, I declare that the hearts of these people that our hearts are softened. That our hearts are sensitive to your voice. That we are in relationship with you because you're our daddy and we're your daughters and your sons and you love us. I declare that our hearts are sensitive, soft, yielded to you. And that our hearts can hear. And that we have opened our eyes so our eyes can see. And our ears can hear. And our hearts can understand. And we can turn to you and let you heal us. 
In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen.